We're talking about Leprechauns Back to the Hood, directed by Stephen Iromoli. I'm joined once again by Kleena. Hello. And special guest Michael. Hello. I wanna get you off. Well, ain't that enough? I'm gonna have to sail down my ivory tower by myself and drag you off. Okay, Leprechaun Back to the Hood, also known as Leprechaun 6 Back to the Hood. This came out in 2003 and rather sadly remains the last film where Warwick Davis donned the Leprechaun hat. Hold on. I didn't know that. Yeah. So is this the last Warwick Davis movie or the last movie? This is the last Warwick Davis movie. So they made this one. And then they waited 11 years because obviously the the appetite for another Leprechaun film had probably waned (laughs) after this one. And then they made um, Leprechaun Origins, which we probably will do, but is more about it's more like a traditional horror film and it stars like a wrestler and stuff. And then they made another one called Leprechaun Returns. But since then, um, a few people have actually been saying, why are we making these like po-faced serious leprechaun horror films we should get back to basics get warwick davis back and there's been talk and rumors of setting one in the old west for number nine well it depends on the continuity it's kind of like superman return you know that brian singer superman where he's like i'm going to ignore you know superman's four and five and just make a sequel to superman two it would require someone whose vision like is to like slot in in the warwick davis leprechaun verse Versus, like, mm. how much of these films are connected. Maybe they'll just do an ah, X-Men and play with time. Where did you hear that this was going to be in the Wild West? This is a, a particular interest of me. Okay. Me. So there's a guy called Darren Lynn Boosman. Um, and he, he works in, like, a lot of these kind of, like, silly, sort of trashy horror films. Um, I think you did one of the Saws, or a few of the Saws. Um, but he always apparently had a soft spot for these films. So he's always talked up this idea of um, doing another Leprechaun movie. And the interesting thing is, you know, the Saw films were finished until Chris Rock, yeah. of all people, had an idea for a Saw film and was like, I want to make a Saw film. And now that's coming out next year. And this guy is directing it. Darren Lynn Boosman is directing that bonkers new Saw film with that's Chris mad. Rock called so Spiral. The reason I ask about the Wild West thing is because... Uh, as I said a, a few moment, moments ago before we started recording this, um, I listened back to a few of the older podcasts for the Leprechaun ones because it's been so long since we did one. We've been doing them nearly the four years Leprechaun... now. Hmm? We've been doing them, I think, four years now. Like It's taken us four solid years <laughs> to watch six of these films. It's a worthy endeavor. <gasps> It is. Uh, it's gonna. It's gonna be an, its own thing. The the leprechaun part of this this podcast. Yeah. But no. Um, so we were watching the space one, where he was in space <laughs> and had lightsabers and was fighting the space marines, and 
I think a couple of times in the space movie, he, like, this is Warwick Davis now, came out with, like, a few John Wayne lines. Interesting. Like, like puns about, like, you know, he started saying, like, partner and, and like, doing a whole bit. Which would be, and we actually discussed that in the podcast and said maybe there's one that was in the Wild West. Like maybe he was in the Wild West. Yeah. And, and like, I think we were talking about like, because he, he copied the John Wayne one, we were laughing about it being like, did he sit down and watch a whole John Wayne movie? <laughs> right before uh, making this. <laughs> But then we thought, no, maybe he just lived in the Old West at some stage. Yeah. Maybe the space one is set after the Wild West one that hasn't been made yet. Maybe the space one is set in the future. Well, I myself have talked about, you know, the sort of like social realist one of the leprechaun back in Ireland, cutting the throats of like wealthy developers who, you know, have abused the country and... There could be a whole a whole setting there that could be explored. But the Wild West also sounds fun. That could be good. <laughs> um, so Leprechaun 6, though, it was it is, to date, um, the last one to star Warwick Davis. And it, it feels like a bit of a, a sort of compromise one in a bunch of ways. It's got a lot of things that we've seen before. Um, it didn't feel like particularly new or anything like that. But then I also think in other ways, it was definitely better than some of the previous ones because, I don't know, they, they definitely focused on... Some of the previous ones set the bar very well. They did. And I again, like, I think I did enjoy, as far as you can, some of the previous ones. But this one, yeah. This one was kind of, in some ways, more realized as a film. You know, they've got their setting. They've got their actors. They're yeah. not too bad. The characters are established. You know, it's about 25 minutes before the leprechaun properly comes on the scene. But it's quite a, was, a somber movie. I was going to say there, sorry to interrupt. Um, my first note on my when I was doing notes on this and I was writing them down mm. is that they had very well established character backstories in this movie. Yeah, I agree. They, they, for, for what essentially is a, a, a run and chase slasher pick that's meant to be kind of funny in a weird way. They, as you said, like they had like 25 minutes of setting up the dynamic of the group only for it to descend into madness with them being chased by a leprechaun. Yeah. And I thought a lot of their motivations and, and reasons for like wanting the leprechaun gold were actually a lot more well-rounded than just, you know, in the previous films where characters are like, oh, look, gold, you know. It was actually kind mm. of... You did kind of want them to, 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 you know, invest in themselves. But yeah. we're probably I also getting... noted that it was very well directed, like shot. Well, again, very... yeah, like, in, in relation to the it others. It wasn't like... cheap. Like, they didn't have those cheap, like, cutouts that they had in previous ones. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. Although it did do that kind of Batman-like transition sometimes. You yeah. know, the old Batman yeah. with Adam West. like. But only sometimes, you know, only, like, not for every transition. Just, like, one in 20 yeah. would be a weird Batman transition. Yeah. They did, they did also, they, like, the whole film was played rather serious. Yeah. Like, it, it still wasn't full-on for laughs, even though it was called Leprechaun Back to the Hood. 
the Lord of the Rings opening was kind of interesting. I was I made a note to oh, check which was one, first, yeah. Lord of the Rings or this movie, because mm. one influenced the other. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that was like again a very like decently animated section. I found like someone really worked hard on making so, sure that that looked good. The intro was a storybook with a long, long ago there were leprechauns type yes. spiel, but one leprechaun didn't get eradicated. Is that's, that that's it yeah. exactly? Um, so, and because it's it's interesting, because we have talked before about many of the queries about whether we are dealing with multiple leprechaun. Or the same. Or just the same demented leprechaun. I, mean, um, I really like that this is a consistent thing we talk about in yeah. every episode. But I felt like... Whether or not this lends itself to the idea of that there's multiple ones or that there's only one. But I felt this kind of clarified that because it revealed the origins of the leprechauns um, and how they were like summoned by an ancient king to protect his gold. But then after the king died and the leprechauns all went back to where they came from, one of them called Lubdan, and I, I don't know why they decided to call him Lubdan, but he had become corrupted and obsessed with the gold. And for that reason, he has kind of like remained in the world of man forever. And I kind of was mm. like, oh, that kind of clears it up now. OK, Leprechaun 4 in space. I'm still a little unsure if that's, you know, in the future or the past or where is that? But... That seems kind of consistent, maybe, with the overall and, and answers that question we've been asking ourselves about whether or not this is... That, that it's only one. Yeah. Mm. I mean... I think, I think there was another... I think possibly the space one, um, we actually came to a decent conclusion that there had to be more than one. I don't know. I have to look back and see what the arguments were for it because I can't remember the space one all the, all, all the best. Yeah. But we definitely were like, no, this is like, there has to be different. Okay, but Leprechaun 6 is then maybe retconning all of that and saying there is one, his name is Lubdan, and he has this tragic backstory. When do we find out that's his name? It's in the anno, the prologue. Oh, okay. Um, what if, what if that one from space was actually a leprechaun that was from their place of origin in space. Interesting. But Lubdan is the one that's on Earth. Interesting. I mean, so we have multiple leprechauns, but we're mostly dealing with one. Yeah. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. Sorry. So I, I remember what the, the argument was. So in one of the earlier films... He's locked, or sorry, in the first Hood film. Yeah. He, the guy captures him and has him in a, a glass case for about 30 years on his mantle, essentially. Yeah. In that 30 years, we said exists the first movie. Um with Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, and he's in an, a basement then. He's in he? a box for like a hundred oh, yeah. years. Yeah. Up to that one. And then there's another one where he is, oh, the one in Vegas then. He's a statue in a pawn shop or something. Yeah. And we were kind of like, there's no way he can be like locked in a box in California, but also in a glass case, you know, in South Central LA, in a music producer's office. And um, like, there's no less. Way. That might just be just lazy writing. Though. Unless. <laughs> no way. Unless when he <laughs> dies, 
Rather than being... God forbid there's a loophole in these movies. <laughs> rather than being reincarnated chronologically, maybe he's reborn and just instead of being locked in the box, he's locked in the case the second time around. Interestingly, I have found on the Leprechaun fan wiki <laughs> the following. Why, sure, someone got fired for that blunder. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be one of those guys, isn't it? Contrary to popular belief, it is not the same Leprechaun in each film, despite most of them being played by Warwick Davis, as each version has a slightly different powers, weaknesses, appearance, and behavior. And yes. Trust that as well. They explain in the backstory that they give that this backstory is actually exclusive to the leprechaun that appears in Leprechaun Back to the Hood. It does not apply to any of the other leprechauns or the films they appear in. So, One thing, though, about this leprechaun, his weakness and his powers seemed quite consistent with the first leprechaun movie where Jennifer Aniston has to look for a four-leafed clover. Yeah, and he doesn't have any crazy superpowers other than just attacking people and killing them. He mm. had a, every now and again he'd like teleport, and I feel like they just didn't focus on that. You know, it was kind of like he'd be in one room, and then the girl would run out, and then he'd be in the other room. You know? Yeah. But yeah, we get a bit of an origin story, and then it opens on uh, a poor priest who is running to the leprechaun and is now being murdered while he's just trying to build a youth center. And again, quite a dark, oh, op- yeah, <laughs> quite a dark opening as the priest is murdered. Everyone else was trying to use the gold for their own yeah. purposes. The priest is was like trying to open. He was trying to kill them. Yeah, <laughs> this poor guy just wants to build a youth center. Why was the priest fighting with the leprechaun? Because over the gold, he'd taken the gold uh, for his life. Yeah, <laughs> for his life. Yes. <laughs> um, and then after that, we catch up with the usual one year later, and we have three friends: who Emily, played by Tanji Miller; Lisa, who's played by Sherry Jackson; um, and their sort of like stoner friend Jamie, who's played by uh, Paige Kennedy. And Emily has just recently broken up with her sort of boyfriend who turned out to be a drug dealer called Rory, who's played by Laz Alonzo. And um, they're kind of all just like annoyed about their stay there where they are in life and trying to like break out of it. I kind of feel that the the title Back to the Hood is kind of, you know, we'll, we'll get into some of that later why a lot of that is kind of not great. But I kind of felt those <laughs> early scenes were actually kind of good because it just showed like three friends just hanging out, each kind of dealing with their own thing, you know, the stoner and the best friend. When they're like, I, I'm so sick of it. It's like, when are we going to get ours? Like, when are we going to get out of here? Yeah. You know, they're kind of tired of everything. Yeah. And like, she broke up with her, her bad boyfriend because he was dealing drugs and he was just sort of like, I need money. And she's like, well, you don't need that money. It all felt very, very real for a leprechaun film. Yeah. And yeah. she works in the beauty salon and they all think she has notions because she wants to go to college. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, through all of this, they are having like a barbecue day at the building site well, for no, the youth center. They meet the fortune teller. They do. Sorry. Yeah. They meet the fortune teller who's played by uh, Donzilla Abernathy, who is actually a civil rights activist who's very close to Martin Luther King's family and stuff. What? So, yeah. Um, which was a strange one. But they run into her and she kind of reads their fortune and gives them something like, oh, you're going to have some money, but you're going to have pay a terrible price for it or something like she that. She says, you're going to come into good fortune, but you have to reject it or something. Yeah. And the two girls are not happy about this. I think before visiting the fortune teller, they, one of them, Lisa's car broke down so they couldn't get into the city and they were fed up and they were talking about how broke they were. 
And then they go to a fortune teller to cheer themselves up. And then she says, you're broke. You're not going to be broke, but you have to be broke again. And yeah. They're not pleased. I kind of like the fortune teller. It reminded me of Erica Badu in that silly movie, What Men Want, where oh, yeah. Taraj B. Henderson can like read men's minds. And Erica Badu is the fortune teller. She was very good. Felt, yeah, similar vibe. That was a good movie. It was. It was solid. All, all things considered. It was solid. Um, so, yeah, then they're all having a barbecue at the building site of the youth center where the priest died and also the leprechaun was buried. Um, and she sees a rainbow, I believe, and goes for a little bit of a dance and then falls into a hole and finds the leprechaun's gold. And then we get a really nice shopping montage of like just them spending money on themselves. The stoner obviously buys two, like, garbage bags full of weed. What's kind of sad, though, <laughs> is before they all go on their spending spree, the main girl, Emily, kind of lays down some ground rules, and she says, okay, you, uh, deadbeat ex, you have to stop dealing drugs with this money. You have to use it to find a new job. Um, Lisa, you have to go to college with this money, and stoner, you have to st- not spend it all on weed. Yeah. And then... Good rules. You know, the girls are having a bit of fun, but ultimately just buy some clothes and having a good time. Yeah. Also, I, I noticed as well, when they, when they were doing the... Um, they were looking at all the, the clothes... Or she was looking at all her clothes, this, this new girlfriend, the ex-boyfriend goes off with. Yeah. He, like... He has a brand new gun. Did, I... did he just go to a gun store, like, while she was doing her shopping? He's clearly, like, hiding it from the girlfriend. Yeah. I just thought, did he just say, like, oh, I'll be back in a sec and, like, go buy himself a handgun? Yeah, I think so. Because it was, like, even in the, like, fancy clothes shopping bag, she was, like, trying yeah, on a new dress. under some underwear or something. Yeah, and then he was, like, cradling his new handgun that he bought. Yeah. He's, he, he, like, it is implied he makes bad decisions, but, like, ultimately might be, you know, kind of just someone who, he, he might be able to, like, you know, redeem himself. Um mm. But his new girlfriend sees, sees his coins and nicks some of them. Yeah. And the new girlfriend is kind of, you know, she's very beautiful and she's sort of presented, but she's sort of presented as being a bit like... Uh, Materialist. Materialistic in, well, in terms of the other girl. Doesn't she get like... Doesn't she get like a uh, gold tooth or yeah. something? Yeah. Just her? one. Just one gold tooth. Yeah. Yeah. A single gold, gold, gold tooth. And she's a, like so excited about it. A tooth it. cap. She doesn't need a gold tooth. She just has a sort of no. cap for one tooth. No. It's kind of like a grill, but just for one. One tooth. Mm. Not a fan, personally. Mm. So, anyway, they all go on their spending spree, and then the guy that loves weed buys two bin bags of weed and throws a big party. And they're all hanging out. And that's when the leprechaun starts showing up and just killing people. In like the most calm and understated way. Yeah. As well. He just like walks into the room. There's no like. And he just walks in. <laughs> yes. And then he goes straight to him getting high. Yeah. Straight to the guy going high. And then there's this kind of funny scene where the guy assumes he's obviously just something he's seen because he's on drugs and then offers him drugs. And there's this nice scene yeah. where they're both just like smoking weed together. And then, I, I can't remember exactly what happens. He he gets annoyed at him, and they have he, a bit of a he fight. He wants money. Maybe he, he wants. Leprechaun won't money. pay him. He sees the coin. And oh he says, yeah. What's the deal with the coin? And he's like, oh, don't you don't need anything about that. And like, your man takes it. Yeah. And then he stabs him with his own bong, and his blood goes into the bong water. 
Yeah, I remember, I, I remember laughing at it. He says something like, I'll hit a midget, man. Yeah, that was, that, that guy was good. He was, he was good value. Yeah. And then there's the hilarious scene where the leprechaun and the stoner are both stoned and they're making the like most, a delicious sandwich. Slapstick. Yeah. Semi wholesome. Like kind of like something out of ET. Vision when he's making a sandwich yeah. and then he's got the munchies and like, oh, I don't know. It felt like that scene, that famous Morecambe and Wise scene where they're like making breakfast together, but one of them like puts the toast in and when it flies up, the other one grabs it and one of them like yeah. puts knife on it, butter on a knife and then turns around and the other one holds up the toast and it's buttered perfectly. Like they just keep perfectly yeah, missing yeah. each other. It was and then good, he puts them in the fridge, doesn't he? He does. The leprechaun himself is so stoned with the munchies. He, he starts eating things, including like a whole load of margarine and like ham slices. <laughs> And then as he's in the fridge, like going through it, the guy like kicks the door closed without seeing him. But then the leprechaun's not annoyed about this because he's got the bong and he's just like, ooh, ho, ho, in the fridge with all the food. <laughs> it's hotboxing the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> and then the two girls arrive in these amazing like Destiny's Child style glittery oh, yeah. outfits together. And they look like they're about to have a great time. And then they immediately walk in on the dead body with the bong skewering him. Well, there's a bit of a dance off as well, because the the ex-boyfriend, the drug dealer guy, shows up with his his ex. Oh, yeah. Sorry. And they're Crucial also, plot. They're also looking good. And then the, the new girlfriend kind of does this sort of like kissing, but like looking at the other girl. And then the other girl like dances up on someone else. And they both do this sort of like sexy dance off. And then the two girls are like, screw this and walk into the other room and obviously see a man with a bong stabbed into his chest. And then it just cuts to yeah. the police being like, so who did this? And then being like, oh, we don't know. And they confiscate Jamie's the, weed and they arrest him. Yeah. And then there's a horrible dark bit where he says that he doesn't want to get raped in prison. Yeah. And Lisa kisses him. Yeah, he, says, he says, I can't be tossing nobody's salad. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Again, like, like a, just when you're sort of thinking, like, well, maybe this film... Maybe this does have a consistent yeah, tone. Maybe this one isn't <laughs> yeah. hateful. And then, no, wait, right? Yeah. What I'm watching. Yeah. Wasn't great. Um, in the meantime, there's also, like, a gang of rivals who are annoyed by Rory, the drug dealer, like, dealing weed. And they're kind of, like, out to get him. I kind of forgot about them for most of the film until they showed up right at the end to, like fire AK-47s at the, yeah, the leprechaun. Yeah, yeah. But there were, like, there's one scene where they're both being harassed by, like, the two police officers. And that was kind of dark, because there's all these, like, police brutality jokes. Um, yeah. And they, like, beat the leprechaun, like, with their batons and stuff. And this would have been yeah. 2003, so well after Rodney King and everything, but, like, right in the, there isn't been a Where period. Where policeman is black? That's true. Yeah. But I often think movies do that to kind of chicken out. But that's what I... Like, in this film, they're, they're almost not chickening out of it. Like, they're purposely leaning into, like, oh, we're making jokes now where the cops are, are beating the leprechaun with batons and there's jokes about police brutality yeah. and stuff. Okay, but before the police beating the leprechaun, um, the leprechaun goes to visit Emily at the beauty salon and she's getting spoilt and doesn't want to work anymore. Oh, yeah. giving out to her boss. She has to massage a great big fat lady and she doesn't want to and Well, stuff. she's just kind of overweight. So that bit kind of surprised me too. It was really weird. Yeah. She had this like animosity towards having to massage an overweight woman. Like a customer She as works well. in a beauty salon. Yeah, a customer. Anyway. I was also wondering as well, like early on um, in the movie, the hairdresser boss was threatening her job. 
Like yeah. she was like, I will fire you yeah. for all, all this kind of stuff. And then eventually then when she came back, the hairdresser boss then takes the high ground and is like, I stuck up for you this whole time. Yeah. You know, I I did everything you owe me, you know, uh, you know, from the goodness in your heart, uh, to to take to go and like massage this awful person. <laughs> yeah, it felt definitely kinda like and I, I always, I kind of felt bad for the the poor woman getting the massage because she got strangled to death by the leprechaun after like a a comedy scene in which he like stands on her back and she's like, oh, that feels great, and then it turns out it's the leprechaun. But she's just like choked yeah. to death, and you know she really didn't do anything to this this man. You know she was just literally I, uh, in the room. My notes on that scene is just all caps. The toenails. Oh yeah, yeah. that was horrible. <laughs> Ugh. But also in this scene, the leprechaun's motivations for this film are revealed mm. because Emily says, you know, we've spent your gold, it's gone. And this is actually another thing that's not consistent in these movies is the leprechaun's attitude to the gold. And in this movie, he doesn't really care to collect it because it always just reappears in the box. Yeah, he's not picking up later. the coins. Yeah. And he says, oh, no, I'm not worried about that. I'm just here for revenge to her, which I thought yeah, was interesting. so revenge is his game. That's true. Well remembered. And he doesn't, and he just needs an excuse. So he's got this, uh, you know, never ending pot of gold. And um, he's just, you know, what else is he going to do with his time except for hunt the people who take it? So anyway, she stabs him in the eye with a razor, like an electric razor. And he has this very strange green blood. Like in one scene, it looks like blended kale. Yeah. But then in the next scene, it looks kind of like... Food dye or something. Melted flubber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did like... I had an asterisk for continuity there for the blood as well. Yeah. (laughs) You also mentioned the continuity of the blood. What I did like in this film that I felt wasn't in the previous films, and I may be wrong, is that a lot of the time when characters in the previous films were confronted with a leprechaun, they tended to like scream or run away or go like, oh my God. Whereas in this film, I felt like most of the time the reaction was like, if you have a gun in your hand, you just shoot him. Or if you have a bat, you just like clonk him. And in that scene in the beauty salon, like she's getting like nearly stabbed by the scissors. She picks up some clippers and just like straight for the eye. You know, I actually said when I was watching it, like, whoa, is she going to cut his hair off? And as I said it, like she just jammed him in the eye with the (laughs) clippers to the point where when he tried to like run after her, he like comedy got caught by the wire and the clippers and his whole head went flying back. And then it led to the great scene of him pulling the clippers out, losing his eye, putting his own eye back in, and then saying, when Irish eyes are... Irish eyes will soon be smiling. Soon <laughs> be smiling. Is it, always, is it even the expression? Is it even the, the expression? podcast line. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, he's only going to have one. You're going to get to it in yeah. any of these Irish movies. I might try and, and cl- play that clip, actually, uh, now, just as a... a Slogan. A, uh, well, just as an example, again, of the, the accent. So I'll play the accent intro. What goes on in this town is none of your business. As long as I'm living here, it is. Then maybe you shouldn't be living here! And, yeah, so his accent in this... We're, I'll line up that clip now to play, but... Where he almost says the name of our podcast. But it, <laughs> I feel like... Six films in, he's kind of just settled into his voice. Like, that's the leprechaun voice. And and no one can tell him otherwise. You know, there's no... What county would you say, if you had to assign him his accent to an Irish county? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Kerry. Because of two things. One, it's very sing-songy. And two, in one of the films, he's known as the genius of Killarney, which I always remembered. 
and therefore oh, yeah. is he from Killarney? I feel like you're kind of trying to appease our Kerry listeners <laughs> because you've just <laughs> called their accents sing-songy, but now you want to say they're geniuses. Well, you know, yeah, I, I like like Kerry people. I like Kerry as a uh, as a county quite a bit. I don't have anything against Kerry people. Yeah, for anyone listening. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna say Meath. When I was when I was in Kerry, there was this wall in one of in Tralee, and they painted like every famous Kerry person like they were the usual suspects. So cool. it was like, um, you know, the the, the, oh, fam- yeah. the famous GA guy, Michael Fassbender, um, Jesse Buckley. You know, they were all there along this line, and I was thinking like maybe maybe we should add the leprechaun to that wall, the genius maybe. of Killarney. <laughs> Controversial, but thought-provoking graffiti. Irish eyes will soon be smiling again. Okay, so she escapes the leprechaun, um, and she warns the others. But the other girl, Lisa, it's quite sad actually. She's applying for college. She's literally taking a bath with candles. She's bought a few nice dresses, so she hasn't, like, bought a handgun or a car like any of the other people. And she's filling in a college application, at which point she hears a noise in the apartment. And it's the leprechaun. And again, like, he just chokes her to death, which seems kind of sad and horrible. Like, I'm all for the comedy killings, like being stabbed by a bong or some of the other ways. He's like, remember he killed a guy with an espresso machine in another one? I think we're just, we're used to horror movies where... They set up the characters that are going to die as not that likable, and there's these sort of iffy social politics, and then you know, you know these yeah. '80s horror movies yeah. that are sort of hateful. But in this one, it's kind of strange because the two women are quite sensible and likable. Yeah, no, I'd agree. And um, so it is sad when she. I thought she got stabbed, but maybe she. Especially gets considering the like useless boyfriend kind of makes it through. You know? Yeah. I would have rather see her go off to college. Yeah. Oh, well. um, anyway. Oh, yeah. I noticed during this uh, particular scene where they, they kill this, the, the girl off, that he breaks through the door, similar to uh, The Shining, but makes no reference to it at all. He probably has, I think, in a previous film, and at this stage, they're all just so tired, you know? It's just like... <laughs> oh, was that a Shining reference? And the guy's like, I don't even know anymore, man. It's just, <laughs> how do you want to kill her? I don't know. Just strangle her to death. Yeah. Also, was the bathroom fight scene like almost stop motion? Yeah, it, it was pretty, pretty all over the place. I was kind of disappointed by that. The yeah. effects were like, the leprechaun. Would... It's just her being strangled. They didn't even do it well. <laughs> The effects when the leprechaun would die, it did kind of just look like a puppet then. I mean, it is a puppet, but you know what I mean? It yeah. looked like a, just a doll lying on the ground sometimes. Yeah, when he'd be beaten yeah. and stuff. No, absolutely. Um, then the, like the last sequence of the film, it, it's sort of annoying how a film can kind of start fairly well and introduce sort of characters that you haven't seen before and then at the same time just end up like every other one of these films where they're, they, they're, they have to work out how to kill the leprechaun. Um, Rory comes up with the genius idea of cutting up four-leaf clovers. Well, this is when they revisit the fortune teller. Yes, that's you're, true. You're forgetting the really stupid part, which is that she says, only a four-leaf clover will kill the leprechaun. And they go, where are we going to find a four-leaf clover in the hood? And then the stoner guy just picks one out of his bag of weed. 
which had been introduced previously because he was complaining to the drug dealer about buying a bag of weed that apparently had four-leaf clovers in it. I see. <laughs> so it was consistent well, with the film. Wonderful that foreshadowing. Classic drug problem of buying weed and finding clovers in it <laughs> to bulk it out. Four leaf clovers. So yeah, the boyfriend makes his special shamrock bullets. Yeah, he chops up the shamrocks, he puts them into hollow point bullets and melts wax over the top. It was quite a like a, an effective scene. Um, pretty good. Yeah, it was a pretty good plan. And then immediately followed by... Yeah. Stoner says, is that a Glock? They always jam. Yeah. So we Um, have Chekhov's Glock. Yeah. 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 On our hands. And then, yeah, we kind of like... It's just a protracted fight scene from (laughs) there on out. From then on out, they like... The Glock jams. Then, what's her name? Kills him in the furnace. Yeah, she lures him to the furnace. And there's actually the one bit of that I actually really liked. And I think there's a few scenes where Warwick Davis, maybe he knew in some way that this was going to be his his last film. Because... The swan song. Yeah. (laughs) There's a bit at the end where they're kind of arguing about treasure and money. And he's sort of talking about like, all you humans are the same. You all just take my money. And she's sort of like throwing it back at him like yeah but you're the one obsessed with money like you're the one killing and running after it all the time and they're kind of like pointing at each other's flaws like this but then she opens the furnace to throw the coins in and there's this bit and it actually i thought was a genuinely good line reading from warwick davis where he says you really want to die so badly and he he sort of almost seems resigned or something he's sort of like do i really have to kill you as well and I don't know, yeah. it just, you know, knowing that it's his, his last film. His it's swan song. His swan song. Like, we watched F for Fake last night, the Orson Welles film. Fantastic. And for many years, that was Orson Welles' last film until Netflix cobbled together the, the final one. And yeah. there's a sequence in it at the end where he's talking about this famous um, church. And no one knows who designed this church. It, you know, it, it's, it's been lost to history who designed it. It's sort of just a, now seen as this collective effort of humanity. And he's sort of riffing on that and talking about how he factually doesn't find that depressing. He finds that kind of wonderful. And especially as an old man and who's someone who created all these fantastic stories and was clearly facing his own death. It's just a, a really fantastic sequence. And I thought that, that Warwick Davis in this furnace scene... You know, maybe it's because I watched F for Fake last night, followed immediately by this film. I cannot believe, I cannot believe what you're, what you're doing. <laughs> you're, 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 you saw these two movies, <laughs> not, like one night and then the next. Yeah. And you have found a way to compare F for Fake. Yeah. But like, they're well, both, they're both like. With Leprechaun 6. <laughs> But it's more like Warwick Davis, you know, he's done a lot of fantastic films, but like these were his in a way that a lot of other films weren't, you know, he was in Star Wars, he was in other films, but these were kind of his, he was, this was his franchise. I don't know if these are the movies he's most proud of. Oh, I would definitely say not. No, I mean, you know, the way like a hairdresser, when they have their portfolio and their Instagram online, they're not going to just put up the highlights they do for money. I would say that's up here. Like, I know he was in, like, Harry Potter and, like, other stuff. Um, Willow. And Willow. But um, I kind of think, like, <laughs> I was just looking at his Wikipedia page. And, like, in the first two lines, two films are made. The first mentioned. The first one is Willow. And the second one is Leprechaun. 
Like that mm. that probably is Okay, but just finish the comparative So like if Warwick study. Davis died of coronavirus tomorrow, I would say that they're like Whoa. leprechaun actor Warwick so, Davis. But just you have to spin back, you know, wrap up your comparison here. Oh, sorry. Are you saying this is his legacy or something? No, or I just think... Is this his I anonymous church? There were a few line readings and a few, like, eye movements under the, 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 the mask and all the makeup that actually just felt a little sadder or something than in those last few scenes. And the other thing I'd mention about those last few scenes is there's this new thing which we haven't seen before that when he gets shot by clovers uh, by the clover bullets these like little yellow orbs leave his his chest and float around him like little flies and it happens once and they all just go back into him but when it happens the second time he's on a ledge and he kind of puts his arms up like sort of like finally like release me and it, it felt like there's this great scene in, in Platoon by Oliver Stone where Willem Dafoe's like <laughs> running back to the helicopter. Bring in another classic but to compare. He also, <laughs> like he, he knows he's not getting in that helicopter. He just knows it. He's, he's Willem Dafoe. Yeah. And Willem Dafoe decided, it wasn't in the script, to throw his arms up to heaven. And in the, the, the film, he, he was supposed to explode in bullets. Like the squibs were supposed to go off. But he, it, they didn't, and he just collapsed. So he wasn't even shot. He just was sort of like didn't get on the helicopter. And Oliver Stone decided to keep that shot in the film because he just decided Willem Dafoe absolutely nailed it and they weren't going to do it again, even if the squibs didn't fire. And mm. I have to say, watching the leprechaun surrounded by those little yellow bobules, you know, <laughs> on the ledge with his arms in the air. And then Oliver Stone would have thought the same. <laughs> and then, like, just okay, this is the final classic film comparison. But there is a scene where he, number one, steals a cop car, and then another scene later where he sinks into the cement, and like he's, he's nearly okay, waving the Terminator Two written yes! everywhere on my notes. Terminator Two, Terminator Two. Totally agree. Yeah, that was it. Was everywhere, and it was just perfect. Just to, like the way his top hat was sinking, and I remember thinking like. You've ruined your costume, but that must be a good thing to do on the last shot of a film. Like, actually ruin your costume and your mask and be like, I can, I can never go back from here. Like it's all covered in cement. Burn in your school uniform. Yeah. When you're there was also a Cape Fear reference in there, I think. Oh, yeah? Go under the car. Yes, he strapped under the car, like Cape Fear. Yeah. yeah. And Mouse Hunt. And Mouse Hunt, yeah. Like, loads of, like, classic films. I actually thought as well that, you know, destroying the costume was kind of like the end of The Last Dance, which I also watched yesterday, where they all, like, burnt their poems. <laughs> you can tell this Don't is being in quarantine. It's just been released. <laughs> yeah, you can tell this is, is literally a, a quarantine a quarantine podcast. Um, so, yeah, the only thing I'd also say about the ending is after they, like, defeat him and he falls into the concrete... I didn't love the ending. It just sort of shows them his, like his together. drowning was awful. Yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, <laughs> no one wanted that from. Like it was really bad. <laughs> it was like he was drowning in the, yeah. in the cement for ages. <laughs> yeah. No, it it was it it was pretty horrible. But again, part of me wonders like, does Warwick Davis say to the director, "Just keep rolling. This may be the last. This may be my last dance." The squibs may not go off. <laughs> Yeah. So I guess that just leaves us with one question, which is, did we think it well, authentically represented Ireland? Very quickly, Ireland? before you get on to anything else, I just wanted to say as well, you know the, you know the, um, the scene, I, I found out afterwards, there's a scene where all the drug dealers show up. Yeah. And like, confront them in an alleyway. Oh yeah. Like Sticky fingers. Uh, one, of, 
yeah, Sticky Fingers is in that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the like I recognized, I recognized his face. I was like, "What the hell? I, I, I know I, he's been in something before." Yeah, he's um, he's in a good few things. Like he was in some Spike Lee films. He was in Next Friday. He was in good, good few things. He was Blade in the TV yeah. series Blade. Yeah, yeah. I also liked in that scene, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the Clippers, like. They all just like get confronted by the leprechaun and just like open up their weapons. Like it felt like it was the first time from like Jennifer Aniston like kicking at him or people kind of screaming and running away. It's like this film, they all just like go hell for leather. No, let's like actually try and disintegrate him, you know? Yeah. I kinda like that as well. That was that was good. One thing um we do we have kind of danced around, but before we get into the Irishness and it was something that I was sort of thinking about is obviously that they've set two of these films um, in the sort of quote hood uh, with black casts and, you know, with a sort of more, it's just sort of strange that they were like trying so many different things. They tried one in Vegas and one in space and they tried like two more slashery ones. And then they kind of settled on this, which actually isn't that violent. You know, it, it isn't got like gross violence in the way that some of the other ones has. Um, I mean, it, it's the same. It's the same argument I come up with every single time we watch one of these movies. Is that I'm pretty sure. Now I'm not sure 100, percent but I'm pretty sure it was like rated R. Yeah. But they never go. They never use the full extent of that rating. Yeah, but that's probably you know, a budget thing as well. Just done enough to get R, while it's meant to be this sort of weird, funny, gory horror flick. Why not just, it's like, you just made it into, like, the R rating. Why not go all the way out and do it, like, over the top? But yeah, they never do. Every single one. They, they always just hold back every single time. Michael yeah. wants more violence. <laughs> but I, I suppose I was more interested that, like, the last one must well, have I been... I understand completely if it was, like, 15s. Yeah. You know, or 16 in the States. You know, if it was, like like that okay you know you know i can understand it not being too gory and it's fine but it's just that they go they've gone all the all the way to, to r-rated and um they use it very sparingly you know yeah i think the other thing was though like the last one just leprechaun in the hood was definitely a sort of breakout like not only did it have um like a much bigger cast like it had ice tea so the first time you actually yeah. had someone other than warwick davis who was kind of credited but it also like definitely hit the vibe of like this is now a, a stoner comedy rather than a sort of like gory horror film and then to like make the like a sequel almost to that but it not really a sequel like it just sort of like takes a lot of those same ideas and set and the setting and sort of like has a lot of like drug scenes in it and stuff as well definitely you know is leading more towards the whole stoner vibe which is fine and funny like we were talking about um the fast and furious as recently and that's a series which has gone from you know a bunch of sort of like petty criminals in los angeles to super spies who literally can fly like everyone can can do that kind of thing but i think with this one the problem is is and we sort of touched on at the start is this idea that like okay but this was written and directed by a white guy and, you know, it's using all these sort of like ideas about what is the hood and stuff. And there's actually um, a writer called Nico Lang. So he writes for like the AV Club and Salon and Consequence of Sound. He actually um, writes as the LGBTQ correspondent for Vice, but was just fired because everyone's being laid off in, in coronavirus for newspapers and stuff, which is pretty depressing. 
But he sort of argued that over the course of the like seven or six movie run, a sort of rare switch occurs. He says, even down to the national heritage of the movie's antagonist, the original film, which debuted in 1993, was a white movie. It was written, directed by, and starring white people. The lead in Leprechaun is Jennifer Aniston, which is probably the whitest person I can think of. And then he goes on to say that Leprechaun in the Hood and the subsequent one, um, Leprechaun Back to the Hood, kind of differs from the other movies because the, the, the cast is placed in a setting that like, definitely is peppered with stereotypes and lots of like, things that are a little like, God, that's, that's you know, vastly like an oversimplification of that, or oh, that's a little bit of, um, that's a bit dodgy what they're doing there. It's kind of similar to what the black exploitation movement did in the 1970s. And he goes on to say that if horror films and films in general treat black bodies as material to be destroyed for our pleasure, films like Leprechaun in the Hood follow a tradition of reappropriating horror for black audiences through parody. So Leprechaun in the Hood is more appropriately part of a genre of black horror spoofs that both lampoon common tropes in horror films and place black characters within those filmic contexts. But it can be powerful for black audiences because in a way they're getting to take back a genre that's long marginalized black experiences. So no matter your opinion on the film's problematic content, it does sadly, it is, does say something sadly rare in the horror genre, placing black people and their lives right at the center of the camera. And I kind of like don't agree with all of that, but it was kind of interesting, yeah. especially because this film, you know, this is the only one where they've decided, actually that last film was kind of good relatively, so let's try and do that again. You know, down to like following three friends, down to the setting, down to them being gangsters and a sort of like wider conflict that the leprechaun wanders into. It's just, it's still not a very good film. It's, it's still bad. And would you guys agree that it's sort of like, it's still just at the end of the day bad and full of like peppered with stereotypes and, and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. What about then in our, our last bit, do, <laughs> would we rate it in but relation actually, to its... I, I was going to say, I, uh, we've done the taglines for the... Oh yeah, do you want to guess the tagline? I, I would like to, but I already have seen one of them. Okay. I know there's been sometimes multiple um, taglines for these ones. I've yeah. seen the one on the DVD cover that's on Wikipedia. Okay, I think that may be the, the tagline. It's a pretty good one. Do you want to guess it, Kleena? Okay, well, I need a clue. Okay, think. This is stupid because literally it, it, it would be more appropriate in the last film where there were three like guys actually like trying to make it in, 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 as rappers. So that's your clue. There's, there's rap involved. Yeah. Okay, is it, a, is it a parody of a famous rap? Not at all, no. <laughs> it is, it's a brand new sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I need a better clue. Like... Is it... Okay, it starts with the word evil. It's kind of like, like, you know, there's a James Brown song about... Evil's got a brand new bag. Ooh, you're gold. very close. You're Ooh. very, very close. That is impressive. <laughs> it's, it's so close. It's evil has a whole new rap. Oh, close, yeah. It was close. Again... Doesn't make any sense. Kind of racist as well, because literally there is no rapping in this no. film whatsoever. No. <laughs> there is no rapping, I forgot. That's so iffy. It's just... Oh, God. Yeah, like, in the last film, that would have been fine, because they are trying yeah. to be rappers. In this film, they're just trying to go to college and not get murdered, but the, like, distributor Lionsgate is like, oh, black people. 
I presume they're rappers. I, I won't bother watching the film. I won't bother watching. Yeah, that's it. That is, is it, isn't it? That person who put that tagline down honestly did not watch the movie. Yeah. Disgrace. They had to. They had to cobble together a DVD cover and needed something to say on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of something to say, I was. I did a bit of research afterwards. Um, <laughs> just to kind of look up what, what years it was and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And I found a review from 2010. Okay. I didn't know if you wanted to hear it. Yeah, go for it. It's, it's very odd. So <laughs> it's, uh, the title of the review is Foony with two U's and one N. Okay. And then all lowercase... Uh, no punctuation. Uh, OMG, I laugh so much at this movie. It's dumb, crazy, and cool. Wow, the midget is back in the hood. Love it. So funny. Yeah, it is. Five out of five. See, that does go to but my point of like, it. this is now maybe a stoner movie, and that like yeah. the last two are probably like dumb stoner movies in the way that the other ones probably aren't and wouldn't work. They aren't at all. Any of the, like all the earlier ones are nothing close to these weird stories. They're kind of sad sometimes. Yeah. Things, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that everyone who watches these more recent movies is taking the same cold clinical eye to detail that we are. I've just actually speaking of a cold clinical eye to detail, uh, a term in the Leprechaun fandom wiki page that refers to some of the leprechauns featured in these movies as linos which stands for Leprechaun in name only, and therefore not appropriate with the tradition and mythology of the, <laughs> the Leprechaun series. So the next one in the series apparently stars such a lino, and the fans are not happy. But also lino's plural. That means there is more than one Leprechaun in yeah. name only. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm, I, I was looking at it. It's a, it's a WWE wrestler. It is. The only thing I will say is that the next one is meant to be bad, like all of them, but is this sort of like more of a like monster movie set in Ireland, which first one set in Ireland, like I'll definitely check that out. Representation. But yes. the one after that, Love Dan's back. It's just not Warwick Davis. And not only that, but he's now after Jennifer Aniston's character's daughter. How do you spell oh. Love Dan? Return to the beginning. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't sound like an Irish name. L-U-B-D-A-N is how you spell love down. <laughs> Spelt like it sounds. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then there's talk of actually bringing back Warwick Davis, which would be, uh, which would be good. Like, I that, mean, if that imagine, happened, imagine they got Jennifer Aniston back. I don't and think... And maybe Sue Ice-T in the mix. I don't think that's going to happen. We live in hope. What if, what if, what if they could have a whole sort of final one where it's like... It's like a like some like part online conspiracy theory group, part like therapy counseling kind of a group mm. among all the people who've come across a leprechaun and have had to fight him, and they all like team up together, yeah, super group, try and go after him, yeah. And you had all all the big players, yeah. from all the movies, Ice T, Jennifer Aniston. The man the guy, in the espresso shop. The guy who wrote Power Rangers after all this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that would be kind of... Who wrote Power Rangers? 
He was in one of them. He was like the guy in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. We've talked about him in three podcasts now. Yeah. He was good. I remember liking him. All right. Um, Once again, you know, in terms of Faith of Begora, I think it's getting a a solid, like, can we even rate this film on the Faith of Begora scale? But Mm. probably a Begora. You know, he doesn't have as many little rhymes, I would say. There's no singing in this one. It's a much more, as I say, somber affair, like F for fake. And for most of the film, you know, he doesn't really have the little Irish expressions or anything. He's no, just, sort just of, the one quote yeah, in our podcast. Yeah, just that one that, the, that we played. So, yeah. His powers, his powers didn't have anything really to do with it. Um, he didn't, like, he, did he... he did he have like a cave at all? Or no, like we didn't Nothing see like any of that. that. In the previous one. No. The only thing I found, I th- I thought was that they were using shamrocks in the bullets. Yeah. And outside of that, you know, there was really very little to yeah. say. Like, did they even say the world word Ireland in it or Irish? They said Irish because there, there was that that quote, but it was only the once. And I, I kind of maybe, you know, liked that a little bit more because now he's just this, like, monster, you know? Occasionally people would go, oh, I get it. You're a leprechaun, so it's your gold, you know, as if yeah. he was telling a bad joke. But that plays into this whole, like, that this is the saddest of the leprechauns because, like, right from the way he walks into that first murder scene, he just walks in. Like, he's not, he's lost his panache. He's lost his yeah. taste for murder. By the Maybe end, in our, in our fantastic uh, eight or ninth movie reunion of everyone, yeah. they actually find out that in order to really, truly get rid of him, they have to help him get home. Yeah. And it's, and it's a redemption arc. Well, the only thing I would sort of say as well is that, um, you know, there actually apparently was a crossover film after they made Freddy versus Jason, where they took Freddy from the... Friday the 13th films and, and oh sorry Jason from the Friday the 13th films and Freddy from the Nightmare on Elm Street films and they had a film with one of the girls from Destiny's Child at the time and they like what? Yeah, yeah it's like it was bad but uh, it was called Freddy v. Jason was that a Latoya or a Latavia? no it was um, I have a feeling it was what's her name the uh, name the who are the people from Destiny's Child? Beyonce Kelly Michelle Kelly Rowland it was Kelly Kelly Rowland, she's in the, the star of Freddy vs. Jason. So anyway, they made Freddy vs. Jason, and it was a surprisingly big hit. And then they were looking at like other film franchises to cross over, and apparently there was a script for Candyman versus Leprechaun, specifically. Because Candyman um, would sort of be sort of similar to Leprechaun in some ways, but also was very popular with black audiences for whatever reason. Now, that never happened, but guess what? Jordan Peele is producing a new... Candyman film that's coming out this year and it's like a, oh, yeah. a sequel to the original it looks really good and yeah so and, the, and they're bringing back Tony Todd and everything so maybe if they're bringing back Candyman we might see like a renaissance yeah maybe Lenny Abramson after okay. making you know normal people he decides to reboot <laughs> reboot Le- the Leprechaun franchise have to wait and see you can only hope <laughs> All right. I um, mean, the longer this, the longer the Leprechaun series goes on for, the longer you have to keep making other podcasts to kind of fill them out, like space them out a bit. Yeah, yeah. We'll be locked into this for years yet, Alex. <laughs> Any um, final thoughts before uh, we wrap it up? Not really. I'm kind of looking forward to the next one as well. Yeah. Uh, I saw that it was actually a WWE production as well. Like yes. The WWE made that movie. Yes. I think possibly as a 
medium to get the wrestler who plays the leprechaun kind of out there in people's television screens. I would also say that not not many people wanted to probably produce produce this film, but yeah, why not? I mean, they they probably got a, a fan base of idiots, so it's ideal, really. It's ideal. Okay, um, our next episode is going to be on Ronan, which I've wanted to do for a while, <laughs> and we're coming up to fifty episodes, and I have I have an idea about what to do for the fiftieth, but yeah. Can you believe we've been doing these Leprechaun films for four years now, I think? Like, which seems, seems crazy. When was, it, when was it actually, the first one? I think it was 2016, 2017. It's 2020 now. Like, it was a while ago. Time doesn't matter anymore. Also, time doesn't matter, but also we, we were notoriously bad at like, <laughs> doing episodes. Like, there were full-on year breaks in between these films. Yeah, so. it, was, yeah. it was long. Boy from Mercury I, hit I've us hard. Eating, like, I watched the first half of this movie. I watched this movie, like, three weeks ago, and I've been haggling you or hassling you, you since have, you have, to do yeah. this podcast. You have, yeah. Um, and to play everyone out... I like my week. <laughs> we should explain that that's why you're not here in person, that you're, you're over a speaker and the sound quality is slightly different. Obviously, we're following the guidance and staying indoors and staying safe. So, yeah. All right. On that note, we'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you, Kleena. Thank you. And thank you, Michael. Thanks very much. Uh, this is a song called Everything is All Right, um, performed by Chocolate Butterfly. That's Butterfly with one T. And it is on the, apparently, on the, uh, the Leprechaun. On the back- soundtrack. Yeah, apparently on the Leprechaun Back to the Hood soundtrack. I like to think about it as like something that... that Warwick Davis selected personally for like, this is it. I, I, I'm done now. <laughs> now I can die happy. Thanks everyone for listening, and thank you guys. Tommy.